Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you to awaken our spirit. Just ask you, Lord, that whatever hindrance might keep us from hearing your word, that, Lord, you would break it down and that, Lord, we would take every thought captive at this moment and bring it and give it to you and put it under your submission, Lord. And ask right now that we would hear from your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you have a word today. And I just ask, Lord, that we would hear it. That, Lord, you would give it to me. That, Lord, you would give it to this body and that we would hear it and we would obey it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right. Nudge the person next to you. Ask them, are they awake? Now, in about 10 minutes, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to probably get half of you to wake back up. Anybody here ever fallen asleep while the preacher's preaching? I have. I've fallen asleep while I was preaching. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Let's dive in here. We've been in Matthew chapter 5 for the last few weeks. We've been dealing with the Beatitudes. Do you remember the Beatitudes? I want you to listen to me now. Listen to me now. This is the teaching of Jesus. This is the teacher teaching. Okay? You're in a church that believes in the blood of Christ, believes in the, the, the gift of Christ, believes in the sacrifice of Christ that he died and he died on the cross for our sins. He shed blood for us to wash us clean, and he, he didn't remain in the grave. He is now alive. That's the God that we serve in this church, and this is the one who is doing our teaching. So I want to encourage you, wake your spirit up. Wake up. All right? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Bummer. Man, one right after the next, the poor in spirit. Remember what that is? That is when we recognize we need God. We are poor in spirit. We don't know what God knows. We don't know everything. We can't control everything. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who still care about what they're doing, about their sin. They care enough to repent of their sin. Blessed are those who will mourn their sin so much that they will turn from their sin. That they will get up and move from where they are and recognize we're poor in spirit. We don't have it all together. And I've got issues and I'm starting to hurt over those issues. God heal me from those issues. Do you hear what it is? It's all about an internal change. God wants transformation. Blessed are the meek. You know what these are saying? Do you see a pattern? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. It's me, me, me. God's dealing with me. Who's God dealing with? Say, you're right. You got that. God's dealing with you. Well, he's trying to deal with you. Are you letting him? Okay. Are you letting him? This is not natural. This is not easy. This is not easy, but it's the opposite of what I would choose. If I got my choices, it would not be poor in spirit. It would not be mourning. It would not be meek. It goes against the flesh. We really have some changing to do, don't we? Right away... If you remember from the last few weeks, because I've taught a little bit on meekness in the last couple months, meekness is not weakness. 
We as men want to hear the word meek and think, well, I'm not meek, I'm strong. Meek is not weak. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's strength. You know it takes a strong person to be meek? It takes a weak person to lose their cool. It takes a weak person to throw a fit. It takes a strong person to control themselves. So what is it? It's strength under God's control. Meekness is strength under God's control. So what does that mean? Let me just give you some definitions of meekness. Enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Now, that's hard. Deficient in spirit and courage or submissive. Not violent or strong, moderate. Now, let me give you some synonyms of the word meek. Demure, down to earth, lowly, humble, modest, unassuming, unpretentious. Can I give you the opposite, the antonyms? Arrogant, bumptious, chesty. I like that. They're going to get better. Conceited, egotistic, fastuous, haughty. I like this one. Highfalutin. (laughs) Uh, To be honest with you, I didn't even know that was a word. I've heard country people, rednecks say it. That old highfalutin. Well, I didn't even know that was a word. I was like, highfalutin. High and mighty, high-handed, high-hat, hoity-toity. That's in here. Huffish, huffy, imperious, lordy, overweening, uh, pompous, presuming, pretentious, supercilious, (laughs) top lofty, uppish, uppity. Now, it's kind of fun, but can we recognize where we fit? Can we recognize where we're supposed to fit? Now, either you've come in here just to kind of do the church thing, or we've come in here to say, God, change me. And God's saying, okay, blessed are the meek. So we need to be meek, right? What is meek? Meekness is strength under God's control. Think about a wild stallion, out of control, but when broken... It's a key word. Broken, you can put a bit in that horse's mouth, you can put a saddle on its back, and you can control that power. And let me tell you, a stallion is powerful. But when it's out of control, it's dangerous. It's a danger to himself and to other people, to other things. But when it's under control, it's a strength. Do you see that? What about a dog? Have you ever seen an untrained dog? Have you ever had an untrained dog come greet you? It doesn't feel like a greeting. It's why we don't need untrained greeters. Greeting. (laughs) That's not what a greeter needs to do. They come jump on you. They get all over you. They scratch you. What else does an untrained dog do? They pee everywhere. They do other things everywhere. They eat everything. They bark at everything. They run at everything. Does that sound like you? Wait a minute. Do you make a mess everywhere you go? Do you bark at everything? 
Do you cry at everything? Do you beg at everything? Are you out of control? Dumping everywhere? Eating everything? That that one's not going to inherit the earth. I believe that poor in spirit, mourning, and meekness are related. Some are toward God. Our awareness of our great need, our coming up short, and then us caring about our sin, our responsibility, the poor in spirit, and the mourning are toward God. But I believe meekness is toward men. I am humble. I am to be humble about my gifts, my talents, my provisions, my responsibilities. Not parade them. Uh, Someone mentioned this morning that Burton Putman's class is going through the gifts. You know, it's not so that we can parade our gifts. It's so that we can know our gifts and let God grow those gifts. Not make it be a hindrance in our life, but make it be a blessing. Take those gifts and put them under God's control. People that need a parade don't know who they are. Did you know that some of the richest men in Cookville, you'd never know who they were? Now, it's not the case for everybody, but for the most part. I think Sam Walton, you'd never know who he was, driving a pickup truck, wearing normal clothes, just sitting in the Waffle House eating. Wouldn't even know who he was. Meekness is strength under God's control. But I want you to know that meekness is the power over your selfishness and your preoccupation with yourself. Do you know that that's what our problem is? We are selfish by nature. And what are we selfish about? We are preoccupied by ourse- of ourself. We are preoccupied with ourself. And I want to encourage you, it takes the power of God to break that. For some odd reason, we think we deserve better treatment than what we're getting. Meekness is the power to break through that major force of being self-consumed. You can't do that on your own. You are selfish by nature. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at James chapter 4, verse 1. And this is from the message translation. I want you to hang in there with me, if you don't mind. I'm going to read quite a bit here. This is James chapter 4, verse 1 through 12. It's the message. If y'all will give us just a second, we're going to get this right, because this is a complete different way of looking at it. All right. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourself. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. Verse 2, I wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right for. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. Verse 4, you are cheating on God 
If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and His way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that He's a fiercely jealous lover. And what He gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? Are we hung up with selfishness? Is most of our, pro- most of our problems, most of our arguments, most of our disagreements, most of our relationship struggles because we are hung up <coughs> with what we want, with the way it has to be? It's said here in his word that when we do that, we make God an enemy of us. We make his way an enemy of us. That's not his way. The essence of meekness is dealing with our, who we're preoccupied with. The meek see Jesus as their source of everything they need. They ultimately have a servant spirit. They may not have a lot. But they have a servant spirit because they know it's not theirs. They may have a lot, but they have a servant spirit because they know it's not theirs. It literally takes a miracle to break free of the force of selfishness. A.W. Tozer, if you're familiar with him, listen to this quote. And I don't have it up there, so you're just going to have to follow with me. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled by himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that, in his, that he is in the sight of God more important than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That's his motto. He knows well that the world will never see him as God sees him, and he has stopped caring. He rests perfectly content to allow God to place his own values. He will be patient to wait for the day when everything will get its own price tag and real worth will come into its own. Then the righteous shall shine forth in the kingdom of the Father, and he is willing to wait for that day. Meekness, humility, submissiveness, lowly, unassuming, humble.
you know, when we step out and we begin to walk out in the world, one of the things that is going to come on you quickly is pride, is proudness, is me and my desires. And the Lord is saying we have got to learn to identify this attack on us with humility, with submissiveness, with lowly, with unassuming, recognizing that me in my own power is nothing, but me in, under the power of Christ is strength that cannot be defeated. Do you see meekness is not weakness? Meekness is supernatural power. God's not trying to make you into half a man and half a woman. He's trying to make you into a full man and a full woman, ready to battle anything that may come at you. James chapter 4, verse 6. We just read James chapter 4, but this is from King James, New King James. But he gives more grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee to you. Do you remember how uh, the message just put it? Shout a big no to the devil, and he will scamper away. We want to get hung up with resist the devil. Well, how do I do that? Well, it just showed us. Shout no. No, Satan. We're, 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 uh, Elizabeth going through child development, and sometimes in her teaching, she'd be taught, you're not supposed to say no to your kid. Whatever. <laughs> God says no. My boss says no. My wife says no. My teachers say no. My parents said no. No's a good thing may not feel like it at the time, but when God gives a no, let me tell you, that's the answer you need. Somebody better listen to a no. Can I play in the street? No. But I want to. I'm going to throw a fit. Well, okay, go play in the street. That's what parents do. When kids throw a fit and you give in to them and let them go, you're just saying, I have no control over you. Go play in the street. Now, that, that's a little bit dramatic, but when we do not teach our children, when we do not teach them the right ways to go, you're telling them that it's okay to go play in the street. It's not okay. No. Shout to the devil. No. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Matthew 23, 12. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Do you hear that? You try to raise yourself up in your own power, you're going to get humbled. Is, don't anybody raise your hands, but has anybody ever been humbled before? Not by your own choosing? I don't like that. God says if you'll humble yourself, he'll exalt you. Let God do the exalting. Let God do the, do the um, promoting. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I believe pride, which is the opposite of meekness, is one of the greatest barriers or challenges that we face today in our relationships as Christians. Pride is a divisive tool that the, un that, that the, uh, that the enemy tries to use to, to break unity. Pride breaks unity. Do you know why Satan is not in heaven any longer? 
because he wanted God's spot. He had a spirit of pride. And we see it in marriages, we see it in jobs, we see it in the church. Pride, I believe, is one of the main divisive tools that the enemy uses to break unity. Do you remember how much I've talked the last few weeks over unity? Unity is where God commands the blessing. God humbles the proud. But he gives grace to the, to the humble, but he exalts the humble. Pride is the one thing that causes a husband and wife to break unity. You know, Elizabeth and I, or if you're in your marriage, we're not committed to always agree. That's impossible. It's impossible. Me and my new deacons, the seven deacons that we're going to have, we're not committed to agree to everything. We're not going to. We're committed to unity. We're committed to seeking God to take our time and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and then come up with one answer together. Now, let me tell you, there have been times when we voted that I have not completely agreed, but it was the right decision. I had to give up what I wanted to be unified. How hard is it to give up what we want? If you're not married yet and you're thinking about getting married, newsflash, you're going to have to give up some of the things you want. Unity is, or marriage is two people coming together and trying to figure out how to live as one. That is no easy thing. But it can be done. And it can be beautiful and it can be strong. And it can be godly. Humble yourselves. You know another problem we have? We always have to be right. We always have to be right. And when we're wrong, we're embarrassed. We use devices to make our spouses cave. We use manipulation. We use intimidation. We use domination. You know what that is? It's witchcraft. And guys and girls, we all do it. How, how do we do that? We hold mistakes over our spouse. We hold their family. We hold their past. Anything that we can come up with to get our way. You know what that is? Is when you don't agree with me and I attack you where you are, you know what I'm doing? I'm trying to control you. That is not meekness. Husbands and, husbands and wives, we're living relationships where we're trying to control each other. And it doesn't work. Set that person free and love them and find your role as a husband of how to love your wife. I want you to know God will come to your rescue. He will rescue that marriage. I'm not wanting to say, do you have a controlling spouse? Because everybody's going to say, well, yeah, of course I do. Are you controlling? Quit looking at the plank in your spouse's eye, look at the speck in your spouse's eye, look at the plank in your own. You want to have a, a good marriage? Start dealing with the plank in your eye. Everybody say amen. Thank you. Now I can keep going. Okay. Let me ask you a question. 
Well, let me back up. This tactic of having to get our way is the opposite of meekness. Our arguments require wisdom. They require humility. They require consideration. They require mercy. Not from the other person, from you. When we get into an argument, let me tell you, you better be ready. Because your resources are going to be used. What resources have you got? Have you ever exercised and you don't have the right resources in your body to make it? How many of you have tried to run a mile lately? I don't have the resources in my body to run a mile. I don't. I need to prepare for it. Just to run a mile. I could. I'd drop, kill over at the end. But I could do it. But my body doesn't have the resources it needs. Not the nutrients, not the muscle, not the, uh, the stuff I need. When we come into an argument with our spouse or with our pastor or with the church or with our boss and we don't have the right resources ready, we're in trouble. We're going to be huffing and puffing. We're going to be crying. We're going to start cramping. We're going to start yelling. That's why, when, that's why we need to start storing up God's word, God's way, and say, okay, God, I'm called to change to what you want me to do. I am your child. I'm going to follow you. I'm a Christ follower. Lord, okay, i got to start piling in. i got, I got to come with baggage. My wife just said this. Let me open up my bag just a minute. Ooh, I got it. Ta-da! And we get through it, and we love on each other and hug and kiss again. But when I go looking for my bag and all I can find, I can't find anything. So what do I start finding? I start finding her stuff. Ooh, yeah, I remember she did that. Oh, you see that? <laughs> Next thing you know, we've got a nasty fight, and I'm hurting her. Instead, I don't have meekness in my, in my bag. Can you guys follow me at all? We don't have to always be right. We are to be righteous. Righteous is not the same as being right. Righteous is seeking after it God's way, not my way. Man, you guys are asleep. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever consider the other person, person when you're in an argument? Do you ever think for just a minute, where is this person coming from? Do they have a point? Is there some truth in what they're saying? Do I usually think this person is sane? Yeah. Do I usually think this person is respectable? Smart? Can I encourage you? Have patience. Consider. Listen. Listen. You know the Word of God tells us to be slow to speak? Why? Because your words get you in trouble. When you want to respond in a negative way, give God a talk. Hey, God, help me out right here. I'm about to blow this bad. Have you got any wisdom for me? Maybe you're wrong. (laughs) Maybe you're wrong. Have you ever thought that you might be wrong? Maybe they're wrong. Maybe you're both wrong. Or maybe you're both right. A lot of the decisions that Elizabeth and I make, we're both, we, could, we could be both considered right. But there's one right decision. And we've got to make it together. 
At work, pride keeps us from being united. Our stubbornness, our opinions, our demanding to be right. At church, pride keeps us from being united. Satan tempted Adam and Eve. Satan tempted Adam and Eve. You know what, you know what Satan said to, to Eve? God's holding back. He didn't tell you the whole thing. There's, there's more there. Doesn't that make you, I'm not asking you this question, I can just imagine Eve. Doesn't that just make you, that just makes me mad. Why would God hold that back from me? Well, I want that. Give me that. Satan's saying, you can do better on your own. And they ignored the truth. Listen to me, church. Your boss is not the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. Let me tell you, your boss, he's, he or she is putting up with you. I'm not talking to you, Justin. (laughs) Amen. No. (laughs) Have you ever thought of what they're having to put up with? You. (laughs) Uh, I'm always afraid to ask this, but if I ever really want to know how I'm doing, all i got to do is ask my wife because she'll tell me. And it's hard sometimes. But she'll tell me the truth. Either I'm willing to hear the truth or I want to live in some fantasy world. And God gave Adam and Eve truth, but they listened to a lie because it sounded better. Proverbs eleven two. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Church, can you see how much we need to deal with pride? I don't want to see destruction come on your life. I don't want to see it come on mine. Proverbs 29, I don't, yeah, Proverbs 29, 23. Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. Proverbs 16, 5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Proverbs 18, 12. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Excuse me. Now, let's, let's counter this. How do, how, how do we close this? How do we walk out of here with some instruction? I'm going to try to close quickly. I've gone a little bit long this morning. So, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Y'all got your Bibles? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Bring your Bibles. I want to send you home with some instructions. And it's in your instruction manual. You got your instruction manual? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another. Does that include everybody? Did we just include the whole body? Have the same mindset as Christ. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So many times as husband or wife, we try to think that we, are, we have the upper hand. Already, that's the wrong approach. Men, I'm not telling you to be the head of your household. I'm telling you to be the head of your household correctly. There's a correct way. And look at how Christ did. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. The King of kings and the Lord of lords came to earth onto our level and humbled himself. He humbled himself before men. He humbled himself before God, taking on the role of a servant. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, the God of the Father. It does not mean that we cower down. It does not mean that we approach our issues in weakness. What it does mean is that we take time seeking God, fasting, praying, meditating, reading His Word, submitting to Him. And we, when we approach our challenges with God, there is no force on this earth that can hurt us. We become what we're going to see when we get into the Beatitudes a little bit. Father is blessed are the peacemakers. You're going to become a peacemaker. And I don't mean that old school cult gun. A godly peacemaker that can make peace in your family. That can make peace in your church and in your work. That can make peace when war is at hand. Godly peace. Our actions will be rooted in love and mercy and compassion and discernment and humility, not self-seeking or selfish. So many times our decisions are made out of our feelings. But church, our feelings can deceive us. They will deceive you. They will make you think that getting out of your marriage is the right thing. That's not right. That you'd be better off with somebody else. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God is with us. But when we exalt ourselves and do our own thing, we have no power to back it up. And we get into a mess. God has promised to come to your rescue. We we already read James chapter 4. But in James chapter 4 verse 8, it says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. God is ready to come to your rescue. Grasping for pride, exalting oneself is a grasp for the top. And the only one worthy of being on top is Christ. If we lower ourselves under the authority of Christ, Christ will exalt us. If y'all would just bow your heads for just a moment. I believe that Defeating the spirit of pride is the breakthrough that you have been needing. You've been praying for breakthrough. You've been praying for financial breakthrough. You've been praying for marital breakthrough. You've been praying for your job. You've been praying for your health. You've been praying for your life. You've been praying for your kids. You've been praying and praying and praying. I believe that what the Lord is saying today is that the breakthrough is going to come through the breaking of the spirit of pride. 
God's Word says throughout all of His Scripture that if we will humble ourselves, He will bless us. Would you humble yourself this week, next week, when you go to your families at Christmas, when you sit down with your spouse, when, when you go into your job, would you consider Jesus' teaching? Father, in Jesus' name, over this church, I just pray for the breaking of the spirit of pride. And Lord God, I just ask you to loose humility. Father, your word says that we can bind things on earth and that we can loose things on earth. Lord, right now, I just bind the spirit of pride over marriages. I bind the spirit of pride over jobs. And I loose humility. That we would humble ourselves under you, number one, God, and then under our authorities that you've placed over us. And Lord, I ask you, according to your word, to come to our rescue. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just encourage you, right where you said, if you feel like that that's you, just, just right under your own breath, in your mind, just start praying to the Lord to release you of this spirit of pride. You know what may need to happen? You may need to give Satan a big no. Some resisting has to take place here. Submit to God, resist the devil. Would you do that today? Right now, as we're just in this kind of time of God's Spirit moving, we're going to take communion. And I just want to ask you right now, as we, as we do this, to, to go ahead and check your heart. And go ahead and take just a moment and ask the Lord, what sins do you need to ask for forgiveness for? What's in your heart that needs to be dealt with? Do you have some things in your heart that need dealing with? Praise God, the Lord gives us a way to, to deal with it. You can go ahead. And that way is coming to the cross and asking for forgiveness. It's called repentance. Jesus' message is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As we step into this moment of communion, would you consider repentance? Just saying, Lord God, I've sinned, I've done this. And Lord, I want to stop doing it. Help me to stop. And Lord, I'm one of those that the pastor's been talking about, having pride. Let me tell you, everybody's dealing with it. And Father, I just ask you to free me of this spirit of pride. And Lord, help me to walk in, in meekness.